Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. So let's look at this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, um, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Man, there's a lot you can preach right there. A true shepherd will be faithful in the night season to watch the flock, and that's where the angel, notice where he went to first, not the sheep, but the shepherd. All right, I got to quit. I'm sidetracking. Quail's already jumping up. All right, now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, uh, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, and you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger and suddenly there was the and, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth and goodwill toward men uh, I want to simply just uh, share with you, and we got a lot of play. There's a lot of things that I want to show you uh, in here this morning that I want to go to, but I simply want to talk about the goodness of God. If I was to ask, and we, we we've heard this that God is good and uh, all the time, and all the time God is good. If we ask how many people, how many believe that the Lord is good? The Bible says in Nahum one and seven that the Lord is good. But how many times it's not necessarily um, it's not necessarily our belief that he's good. All of it, all of us probably believes he's good. But a lot of times it has has to do with our interpretation of his goodness. I still notice a lot of things down in the South where you and I live in the Bible Belt that would really challenge that statement to believe that God is good. We still have a lot of people that believe sickness comes from God. Come on now. That God brings calamity upon us to challenge us and to teach us. Now, if you we we could never accuse God of that. Now, let's go right here. Let's, if you will, turn with me uh, to the book of Ephesians, the third chapter. Let's just look right here. I want to bring uh, several things out this morning in Ephesians uh, chapter three, uh, the third chapter. If you're there, say Amen. All right, listen to this. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according what? To the power that works in us. His goodness is beyond my ability, our ability to comprehend, but it's not beyond our ability to experience. How many knows that God can, God can lead us into an experience with Him that will take us beyond what our mind can, can conceive? The Bible says to know the peace of God which passes our understanding. It's hard. So you, it, it, I've seen people, and because I've been in the ministry a long time, of tragedy happen and be standing in an emergency room and a tragic accident happen and a loss of life be in there. But yet you find you can see that the peace that is resting, that is a peace that is being manifest that is going beyond what the mind can understand but the heart is leading them into that place. Now look at this. It says that what? 
that He's able to do exceedingly, uh, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Beyond all we ask, that is our ability. That This speaks of our prayer life. Uh, uh, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, all that we ask. This is my prayer life at its best state. This is me praying in my greatest faith. And God said, I will bless you abundantly above all that you could ask. When I think about, when, when, I, when it goes beyond what we think, this is our ability of what we can dream, what we, our goals that we set, all of these things. God says, I'll go beyond that. When, when the angel showed up and he told, he said, Jesus, he said, good peace on earth and goodwill toward men. This was a target set by God in heaven. Listen, that he wants to be good toward mankind. This is good. Listen to this. His goodness can be twisted, perverted, diluted, misinterpreted, but it can never be exaggerated. He is greater than we can understand, perceive, or describe, or imagine, or He is not God. Listen, it can be twisted, perverted, diluted, misrepresented, but can never be exaggerated. He is either greater than we can understand, perceive, describe, or imagine, or He is not God. Now let's look at this. In John chapter 10 and 10, John chapter 10 is the story of the good shepherd. And in this verse of scripture, John 10 and 10, it says, for the enemy comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Some have said it like this. It's really simple that the God good, devil bad. If it has to do with killing, stealing, or destroying, it's not the work of God in my life. But how many times do we allow people to, to, to say things like, listen, because, um, you, you know, let you... I've heard this at funerals that God has. We've we've all heard this at funerals that a child dies or something, and we heard so we hear some preacher because as preachers we don't know how we don't how do you answer certain questions. What I have learned it's not my job to answer the questions. My job is just to model a life with the Lord. Listen, there's a lot of questions I have this morning that I don't understand, but I refuse to shove what I don't understand and try to come up with a theology that He is not to try to answer the questions I don't understand. I understand this, that Bill Johnson said this, that maturity in the believer's life is not modeled by how much revelation you know, but it's by how much you don't know and yet you're still willing to serve this God that you don't understand. If you can understand the God that you have, you are not walking with God, Jehovah, Jesus Christ. Are you with me, friend? Because I don't understand a lot that he does. The only thing that I do know is that he loves me and he's got goodness towards me. He's got a plan to prosper me not to harm me and he has an expected end to my life he never promised me the easy road friend he never promised me that I wouldn't go through hard times and I wouldn't go through struggles but he said know this that I will be with you even unto the end I will never leave you nor forsake you that is a lie of the devil to make you believe that God has left you or forsaken you or you're paying for something in your past I'm preaching right now friend you can't never pay for your past He's already paid the debt of your past. You can't tote it any further. My God. I said, well, I'm just going to talk and I wind up hollering. I preached one night without hollering. Dusty said, you can do it, man. So John 10 and 10, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. 
He didn't come to trip you up, what you got to understand. The devil's not trying to trip you up. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. Not life surviving, but life thriving and more abundantly. Now, we know this. John goes on in his epistles. 1 John 3 somewhere around verse 8 for the son of man came Jesus came that he might what? destroy the works of the devil this is the whole reason why Jesus came now there's a couple of of different you know and I, I by no means don't say that I have all the answers or whatever I told you there's a lot that I don't understand but one thing I think that challenges us is to believe that somehow God in the Old Testament was angry I don't believe Father has ever been angry. I don't believe He has ever been displeased because when He got through creating creation, He said it was good. And He sat down on His throne and rested. He didn't say I made a mistake. He said it is good. Some would say, well, he had to go to plan B when Adam made a mistake in the garden. Adam was never plan, I mean, uh, uh, there was never a plan B. There was only a plan A. Because we go back at the end of the book in Revelation says Jesus Christ was slain before the foundations of the world. I don't understand that. Before the morning stars ever sang together in the book of Job, come on, and he started creating Jesus who had already been slain. So I don't understand all that. That goes beyond what my ability to comprehend. So that so we see that the Old Testament does reveal to us the power of sin. And that there was no way that mankind had a chance of making it. You remember that um, there was plenty of complaining and murmuring before uh, Exodus chapter 19, before the law was given in Exodus 20. There was plenty, but no one was killed. But after they said when God tried to bring them into a relationship with himself on Mount Sinai and they heard the thunderings and they heard the lightnings and they told Moses, Moses, we can't, we can't do that. You go have a relationship with this God and whatever he says to us to do, we will do it. At that moment, the law was given and then people were taken out for their sins. So I believe a wrong view is to say that that you know God's angry in the Old Testament but he seems to be kind in the New Testament so somewhere God got counsel and calmed down from wanting to kill us all now you got to understand some of us grew up in different backgrounds we all come from different places now when I was a young boy I'm not very old uh, I'm only 37 but when I was a young boy some of the preaching that I heard in my growing up in my young in my Pentecostal church was, I mean, I didn't know if God was for us or not. But the target that the angels said, listen, is goodness toward men. Now, if I would ask you this, how many would love to have your life changed right now? How many would raise your hands? You want your life changed? There's only one place really in the Bible where it says that, look look right here, let's go right here. Romans chapter 12. I'll finish show you how you can change Listen, if you can change the way you think, you can change your life. If you can't change the way you think, you're going to be sitting right there where you're at. So I'm having God, I'm asking God all the time, help me change the way I think. Because we bound by the own limitations we put on God. Right here. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to get somewhere in a minute. 
I promise you when I fired up a while ago, it wasn't a highlight. It's a preview. <laughs> Hot, you ready? Verse 2. So if God, listen to this, if God truly is good, all of us in this room have got to challenge the way we think. Listen to this, I wrote this down right here. What comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing to us, A.W. Tozer. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important. Do you see Him ruling with an iron fist? Do you see Him because of the things that we've allowed and the path that we've taken in America that He's sending calamity upon us? Do you see when the tornadoes went through Tuscaloosa and all of that area right there? And the Weather Channel put acts of God. Is that acts of your father? That's what I'm going to ask you. Is that acts of God? When tsunamis come on shores and take thousands and hundreds and hundreds die and thousands die when earthquakes happens in third world countries and they call it acts of God, is that the acts of our father? Come on. When one of our loved ones dies of cancer in this area or whatever and the whole family is unsaved, did God strike the one that was a believer with cancer to take them down so that he could win the rest of the family? Is that acts of God? But this continues to be a doctrine. This continues to be a doctrine that is taught by people that have no revelation of who God is continue in our pulpits in America. Me and Catherine, uh, at the first place we was on staff, there was this church right there at the corner at the red light, and this was their sign. Now, this was the sign. Every time we turned to go to our church, this church was at the red light. They had this huge sign, and they had letters, which I believe the most dangerous thing you can hand a church is a sign that they can change the letters on. (laughs) We put eternity, smoking or non. That shows our heart towards the lost. Come on. And so this sign had out there, and this is what they had on their sign, whoremongers, God will judge. They left it on there like for a year, didn't they? And I was like, every time we go, I said, I feel so loved that I want to go in there and fellowship with these people. Now let me show you something. Some, I saw this the other day and this might bother you, but listen, I believe we could get a whole lot more people with the gospel if we model the heart of our Father where Jesus came not counting their sins against them, just simply loving them and showing life that was a possibility to be different. Are you with me? How many seen the new Amazon commercial? Where the, where the priest is, is there, there's, a, there's a Muslim guy and a, and a preacher, a priest or whatever. He orders the knee pads and takes them over. That's a perfect picture. Listen, I'm not called to judge you for what you believe. Are you with me now? It's awful quiet in here. But I can model you something. Well, that went down like a rat sandwich. Dusty, we'll keep praying on that. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Look at this. Don't be conned into forming to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, the, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I have heard a bunch of messages on this particular text. I've heard that, we, that there's the perfect will of God. There's the acceptable will of God. Listen, 
Look, look at it again. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing what of your mind. This is how transformation takes place. The, <coughs> forgive me. The other, the, the other word where we find this word transformed is in Matthew 17 when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is what is possible of the glory that can be revealed in our lives when we, when we go from the place of the renewed mind. We know that our minds are being renewed when, when the impossible looks possible. You pray for miracles. God send us miracles. When we pray that, it translates into heaven, say, give me a bunch of impossible situations in my life. All right. So be you not conformed, but be you transformed. So the transformation process, what is the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God? That word prove also means to approve. All right. It means to approve. So, I read this and I've heard this said a couple of times and it's good, so I'm going to use it. If you were handed an inheritance, let's say you got this, let's say that your parents left you this house and you were going throughout this house or whatever and you found a Vincent Van Gogh painting. Now, you either got something that's fixing to change your life forever or you got a $100 replica of something. So what you would do is you would take this to someone that is trained to recognize the art of Vincent van Gogh. This person would be trained with high level of skill to know that, you know, what were the paintings in which he done in the time of which he, you know what I'm saying? They would know. First of all, does this work, is it concise with what, what he would have painted? First of all, they would be very skilled on the style of brushes in which he used. Y'all cold? Y'all freezing to death? Uh, So they would know what style of brushes and they would know to the exact of the brush strokes in which he used to be able to determine whether this was real or not. Not only that, the reputation on the line would be this company that would say if it was authentic or not. And so you wait earnestly to hear back from this company to find out, do I have a replica that come from TJ Maxx or do I got the real Vincent Van Gogh painting? Because I'm either got something that's going, man, we fixing to move a little higher up on the hog like the Jeffersons or I don't really have nothing at all. And so, um, so we wait to hear back and then they come back and what they do is they go through the filters. Is this congruent? Is this, is this, is this right here? Is it with his life? Well, it, look, it looks exactly like a painting that he would have painted in that time frame. Does each brush stroke make, uh, does, each, does the brush strokes on this painting match the brush strokes of the authentic? See, we can never find out the false by studying the false. You find out the real by studying the real. Are you with me? Going somewhere, stay with me. So, so once they hear back, we find out that, yes, this is authentic. Now let me say this. Paul said to transform your mind that you may what prove or otherwise approve the will of God. There are situations that come into our lives and we are desperately trying to find out the will of God. How do you go back and see is this God or if this is not? You have to go back at the life of Jesus in the four Gospels. This is the painting 
in which he brought forth on the earth. Colossians says he came to put a visible face on the invisible God. Are you with me now? So everything in the life of Jesus, so if I cannot find it in the life of Jesus, I have to question it, authenticity, see if it's authentic or not, to be approved to be the will of God for my life. Are you with me now? So if sickness comes in, I don't have to question God. Is this you or not? Are you with me? I understand that anything to do with killing, stealing, or destroying is not the will of God for my life so that I don't come in agreement with that. Do you understand how the enemy beats us down? Is when we agree with him, friend. He has absolutely no power, no authority to do anything in your life until you come in agreement with him. We got people in the South believe if they poor, that gets them closer to God. But we understand. <coughs> Man, don't you love cold weather, what it does to the voice. That we understand that Jesus became poor so that I could become rich. So I have these four gospels that I can begin to open up and look at the life of Jesus. So the other night I was studying, I was thinking about these four gospels. I know that Bill and certain ones say that Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Now let me say another mistake that we've made. <coughs> Is we use, instead of using the Gospels as the plumb line to see if it's authentic, we use the generation before us as the plumb line. And we've said this before, the danger is when you, when, when you cut a two before, the danger is, is that you keep using the one you've already cut instead of re-pulling the line out. The line is not grandma. The line is not daddy. The plumb line is always Jesus. Are you with me now? So I begin to look at this and I begin to say, you know, what is, what is these four Gospels? I mean, what, what do they represent? I know that the life of Jesus is found in these four Gospels. And so I begin to do a little research and I begin to find out, you know, that, that uh, Matthew, each writer had a target, if you will. You understand that each of the writers of the Gospels had a, had a target in which they were trying to reach. And each one of them gives uh, some of the same accounts. One of them gives a more, the most detailed account is the book of Luke. And he's writing and he prepares to go right in when he closes out, right into the book of Acts, which he also wrote. Um, John covers about the last week, which is mainly the passion of Jesus. Are you with me? Um, and then Matthew, um, so Matthew's uh, gospel starts with the genealogy of Abraham. His target is the Jews. Y'all right? <clears throat> His target is the Jews, and Matthew's gospel is reveals the kingly Messiah. He he reveals uh, the kingly Messiah. He he reveals that Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And then Mark, Mark has no genealogy uh, written in the uh, Gospel of Mark. He don't start out with, first of all, too, back to what we taught on Wednesday night. You know when Jesus said in Matthew 1 that we all skip over that begot, he begot, he begot, he begot. What Jesus was saying, listen, I ain't come here to stand on my own. I come here to stand on every generation before me. Man, that's good. And so he's there and, and his target is, is the, so Mark doesn't give any of the genealogy. But Mark reveals him as the lowly servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Are you with me now? Now Luke starts with his genealogy. He goes back to Adam. 
Jesus is not the second Adam. He's the last Adam. Are you with me? The first Adam made a mistake in the garden. Can you stay? I'm just giving us a lot of information, trying to go quick, okay? Preachers only got an hour. We only work three, three hours a week, so we got to get it done. You know what I'm saying? So listen, that um, <coughs> with Luke... He goes back to Adam. Jesus is the last Adam because the first Adam made a mistake in the garden. Are you with me? He lost the keys to the he lost the keys to the earth. Jesus came to get the keys back to the earth. That's why Matthew wrote that all power is given unto me in heaven. That was not a revelation, but it was a revelation when he wrote on the earth because at that time the devil had the deed to the earth, but Jesus came to reclaim it. So Luke goes and takes his gospel all the way back to Adam, showing us that Jesus Christ is the son of man. Now if you go to the gospel of John, John's genealogy doesn't start with Abraham. It doesn't start with Adam. It says in John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John was revealing him as, hey this is the son of God. Listen he has no beginning and no this is him. This is the one that was before the foundations of the earth. This is him. He's the son of God. So as I begin to look at this and I said, you know what? We've got to take these gospels and we've got to look at them and begin to study the brush strokes so that we know, listen, when something comes in our life to challenge the goodness of God. I might run in a time of lack, but I don't come in agreement with that lack. And I say, listen here, if God has blessed me one time, I may be in a season right now. Paul said, I know how to abound. I know how to do it in all things. I know how to live when I got abundance and I know how to live when we got to be frugal. But listen, I know one thing that I will not come in agreement with the lack because this is not congruent with the life of Jesus. Now, Here's the deal. I was just telling my journeys this week. So I'm going to look at this. If the four Gospels, how many knows that Hebrews says that the word that you hold in your hand that collects dust a lot during the week, come on, let's be honest, that that word is alive. Hebrews 4.12, it's a living book. So I got to thinking, there's four Gospels and according to Ezekiel chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 4, there's four, gospel, uh, there's four living creatures that have four faces. I said, oh my God. There's four living creatures that's got four faces. What is this? So then I go back to, as I begin to study, I'm just studying, this is all in the, week, in the night when I can't sleep. So I go back and I look. If, if, if these are, so God commanded the children of Israel. What did the children of Israel encamp around? The presence, Right? They didn't camp around a sermon. They encamped around a presence. They had the ark of God, are you with me now, where the Shekinah glory of God would sit, and they were commanded to camp around the ark. And that, that if you go to Numbers chapter 2, I'm trying to give you a lot of information here. Go to Numbers chapter 2, and it tells you how that God commanded them to camp out around that ark. And it says that they were to each camp underneath their, their signal or their flags or their banners. And according to Jewish tradition that each they, they, would, they would be camped out and they was camped on the north, the south, the east, and the west. And if you look the way it laid out, it represented a cross. Jesus came to set us free, friend. Are you with me? The Old Testament was a foreshadow of a promise that would be revealed in the new covenant that, listen, and the tribe that was setting on the north was the eagle. Their banner was the eagle. The tribe that was on the south was a man. God was saying, I'm going to go to the earth through the cross and I'm going to reach man to 
to bring my goodness towards him. And every time they encamped about this is what they was prophesying. God was going to leave the earth, go through the cross and reach man and bring us back to where he is. That's good. This is how much God loves us. He left heaven to come get me where I was at. And what we embrace down here in the south, we say, well, God helps those that help themselves. God helps those that cannot even help themselves, friend. That is the goodness he has towards our lives. I'm here to tell you right now, listen, when everybody else has forgot about you, when everybody else says that addiction will never be broken off of your life, when everybody else says, listen, we've done all we know to do for it, there's still a God in heaven that is passionately pursuing you. Friend, are you with me right now? I know that mama's wrote you off. I know that daddy's wrote you off. But God never writes anybody off. So God's screaming this. That there's a cross traveling in the wilderness. I'm going to get them. Jewish tradition says that one tribe had the face like an eagle. One had the face like a man. One had the face like an ox. And what was the other? Huh? Lion. One had the face like a lion. So let's look right here now. Going somewhere with this. All right, let's go to Revelation chapter 4. <coughs> All right. Revelation chapter 4. Verse 1, after these things, after these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was set. A throne was set and he who sat there was like a jasper with a sardius stone in his appearance. There was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the, throne, uh, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. They had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Boy, there's a lot right there. That's also found in Isaiah chapter 11. Before the throne there were a sea of glass like crystal and in the midst of the throne, around the throne were living creatures full of eyes front and back. First living creature, look at this, was like a lion. Here's Matthew. The second living creature was like a calf. King James renders ox. That's the lowly servant, Mark. The third was Luke, the son of man. And the fourth is the eagle, the image of the son of God. And when I saw this, this is what, listen, this is just, I'm just telling you this. And the Bible says that these cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. And I'm telling you, when I sat there in the wee hours of the morning, what I saw was every time these living creatures circulate, they look at the picture and the life of Christ, and all they can say is holy, 
holy, holy. Every time they look and, and people tell you that your sin has held you up in the past, the four living creatures look and say, holy, 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 holy. Look at what Jesus did. It's not what you did, friend, but it's what Jesus did. Are you with me? And listen, what your safety is is getting inside of what he done. Are you with me now? When God, when God told Noah, listen, I'm fixing to send a flood, he said, but I want you to build something. You build an ark and you build it three levels. Why? He's the way, the truth, and the life. Put one door in the side. That is Jesus, friend. Are you with me? They wasn't no windows on the side. There was one window up because God said, I never want you looking at yourself. I never want you looking down. If you will always look up, look up to my sacrifice. Look up at what I did. And if you'll get in the side of that boat, you'll make it to the end, friend. I was raised in a church where we had to pray that we could hold on and stay true to the end. That is crazy. Listen, if you got a relationship with God, you're going to heaven. That's plain and simple. But here's the deal. Why do we preach holiness? Why do we preach lifestyle? Because we don't only want to go to heaven, we want to bring heaven down to earth. Are you with me now? So here's the deal. When some of us are toting shame from our past, a mistake we did when I was a teenager, a mistake I did in my 20s, a mistake I did whenever, and we tote this shame around, and we, with this lying voice comes and said, listen, you will never outlive that. You will never outlive that. Listen, God will always hold that against you. I have to find in the Bible, is that, is that real? I mean, can I prove this as the will of God in my life? And I find a woman at a well in John chapter 4 that looked for everything that, that had not only one husband but five husbands are you with me now and God used that woman to go back and preach in a city and say let me tell you a man that told me everything I ever did he never held what I done in my past against me come on somebody I didn't blow it one time I didn't blow it two times listen some of us have blown it a thousand times but God in his mercy is still for us today Listen, I come to tell you this morning that he's the God of a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a hundred chance, however many chances you need. Why? Because the 24 elders are looking at the life of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John circling the throne of God saying, holy, holy is the Lamb. I thought about this. What about shame when you make these big commitments? We're going to do all things for God. How many's ever said this? Lord, I'm going to fast the next 10 days. Only on day two. Need the life light, fluids. This is on a three day fast one time. I told Kevin, I said, I got to eat peanuts. I said, I'm, I'm telling you, if, we, if, I don't eat some, if I don't eat some peanuts, listen, or something, I'm going to be in the hospital. <laughs> you know what's going on in that process, to be honest with you? All the toxins and all the junk's coming out your body and it's killing you. Allison's fitting to run around the room. But that's what's happening. All the caffeine, the coffee. Oh, coffee ain't nothing. Don't drink it for two days then. You be holding the phone like this. Don't, don't say nothing. Just speak like this. Just speak like this. Listen, we will all. What I've what I've come to realize is this: everyone has fallen short of the glory that God destined for them to have. Are you with me? 
That's Romans. And here's another thing too. The enemy always tries to make us pick up the identity of our mistake. The mistake is not who you are. It's what you've done. (laughs) Conviction says I made a mistake. Shame says you are the mistake. You're not that person. That's just a photograph or a curve in the life of the road in which I've walked. And all of us in here are a picture. Your life is a picture of the testimony of the goodness and the grace of God. No one in here has had it all figured out. No one in here is picture perfect. Are you with me? We're all flawed and we all put our best side first. Are you with me? And we're all trying to work on certain things in our life to overcome issues in our life. And so what happens is, is a lot of times that fear comes on us to, to, to be able to step out because we've not all had it all right. And I thought about this. I thought about when Peter, when Jesus talked about going to the cross, Peter said, Lord, listen here. I'm not, I won't only go to the cross. Listen, I'll die for you tonight. And Jesus is like, calm down, Peter. Listen. Could be the wine talking. Calm down. He said, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. Lord, I'll never deny you. I don't know. The rest of these chumps in this room might deny you, but I won't deny you. I just believe that's how Peter walked. You know what I'm saying? He had to walk like he was top dog. You know what I'm saying? He the one cut Malchus's ear off. He was a dude. You know what I'm saying? But when it came time for him to stand up and prove his loyalty to the Lord, that there was a teenage girl standing by a fire and Peter was standing by that fire. And she said, we have seen you with him also. Hadn't we seen you? And Peter said, no, I don't even know the man. You're lying. I don't know the man. And as he said that out of his mouth, he heard in the background the rooster crow the third time. And as he throws everything down and Peter's leaving because he knows that he failed the Lord. And he leaves and he goes back to what he's, the only thing that he knows to do and that is to fish. And we find in John chapter 21, Jesus shows up on the shores while he's fishing. Not one time do I read in the Bible where Jesus said, I cannot believe you blew it, Peter. Are you listening to me? I cannot believe, Catherine, that you let me down when I needed you the most. Listen, what I love about God, God will never, listen, He said, listen, if you're not faithful, will I not be faithful? Listen, I'll never be held by you. He is faithful, friend, listen. And when He comes back, the Bible says He's going to have a tattoo on His thigh called faithful and true. Listen, when you ain't faithful, He's still faithful. I can't get no help in here. Listen, when you're not faithful, He's still faithful. And and listen, if you and I would have showed up to Peter, this is how we would have handled it. I can't believe how you done me. But here's the deal. God is not like us. And a lot of times we give a poor representation of who He is, how we even handle our own kids. I'm talking about me right now, friend. Listen, God is good toward men all the time. On your worst day, when you've blown it, when you've fleshed out all day, He's still 100% good and is proud of you. So, Peter, he said, you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Well, I've heard people preach this. The reason why Peter had to say that he loved him three times because he denied him three times. 
No, what I do believe is that God was really reaching down into his heart. Saying, I need to know right now, do you love me? Do you love me? Because if you're settled right there on that, I won't have to ever worry about you backing down again from a fire. And we know that we know that in the life of Peter, according to church history and church tradition, that he overcome that very issue. Because when Jesus said, listen, remember when Jesus was prophesying to him? He said, Peter, when you were young, you went about where you want, but when you're old, men will lead you where you not want to go. Because he was led straight to the cross, just like the Lord Jesus was. But when it came time for him to die of a crucifixion, Peter said, do not hang me upright because I'm not worthy to hang like my Lord, but turn me upside down. If God puts sickness on us to teach us as a sign, show me one place in the gospel where Jesus allowed it to exist. Let me say this. If God put it on you to teach you, then quit going to the doctor. Why are you trying to undo what God's, do- what God's doing? When Oral Roberts started out in the healing ministry, to his own testimony, he could only find, I think he said, a handful of men that agreed that sickness was of the devil. And any time we find killing, stealing, or destroying in any given situation, it's because the enemy had influence. Well, you say, well, my loved one died of sickness. I'm just telling you this. I don't understand it either. And I watched my own dad die at 52 years of age. I prayed every prayer I knew to do. I, put, I quoted King James NIV message, New Living Translation, the Greek, Hebrew, everything I knew. I spoke in tongues, spoke in English. And I still lost him. But, I'm, but I got sense to know this, that that was not the will of my father. Will you play with me? I'm almost done. I got, I got this right here. I got enough sense to know that I don't approve that as the will of God. What I do count that at as devil, you stole something from me. And if a thief be found, he got to restore it back sevenfold. Are you with me? And the area that you strike me in, I'm going to beat you in. Why does Jesus got authority over healing? Because he took the 39 stripes for healing. Now he's got authority over it. The areas that the enemy has beat you up in your life, if you allow God to do a restorational work in your life, he'll use you to go back and be, and, and just rip that loose from other people in their life. If you've overcome addiction, you can free addiction, friend, every time. You don't have to have the preacher's hand. You don't have to have Matthew Henry's commentary. You don't have to have the Strong's concordance. You don't have to know everything in the Scripture. All you have to know is that he who set you free has made you free indeed. And when you lay your hands, there's authority and a power from heaven to see that reproduction in your life and so when, when I, I, have, I have I've told you these many times but I have battled you know like the why I, I never allowed the why question to gain influence on me you know why did it happen why did it happen I stood up and I remember I, I cried as any man would preaching my own father's funeral but I, I never broke down enough that I couldn't preach it and every Christmas, especially every hunting season, because my dad was an avid hunter. And when Grant kills a deer, 
or whatever, I say, man, you know, I wish he could be here to celebrate it with us. But he's celebrating it with us in the unseen realm. When Grant was shooting ducks yesterday morning and they was hitting the water, my Father in heaven was saying, go on, son. My dad this morning saying, preach the gospel, son. Preach on, preach on. And the goodness of God about this, listen, what the enemy meant to kill, steal, and destroy, he never killed him. Don't get me wrong, friend. He left the earth, but he never killed him. Because when my dad drew his last breath, cancer drew his last breath also. He's the one that died. He simply stepped into an unseen realm. And when I see him again, it won't be the 10 years he's been gone or the 50 years he's been gone. It'll be just as if we never left each other's side. And when I see him again, he won't be the frailty of the 130 pound man that when he left the earth, he will be big and strong again just like he was in his prime. Hello. This is the goodness of God. And so the enemy will come and, and, and try to lie to me and say, you know, you didn't do this. Or if you, if you would have been, if you, if you wouldn't have had any sin in your life, then listen, that would have led. You, you, you could have broke that off of your dad. I simply sat there on his headstone when they got it, which I, I hardly ever go to my dad's grave. I don't know. I'm just different, okay? I'm just telling you how I do it. He ain't there, okay? Listen, we can go put some flowers or whatever, but he ain't there. And I sat on his grave and I told him this. I said, Dad, you know, the church is, go the church is going through a metamorphosis. I said, we're going to change the way we think about things. And I said, one day there will come a church on the face of the earth that will totally eradicate this disease off the face of the earth. How can I stand in confidence of that? Because there was one day a church was battling tuberculosis, trying to get rid of it. One day there was a church on the earth contending for polio, but we got rid of it. Are you with me now? And as the Lord tarries in this thing, we will rise up and we will beat that. There will be other giants in the land that we have to face. Listen, but the giants will fall one by one as the goodness of our Father overshadows His bride on the earth. And so anytime that is, as I say, you know what? I refuse to buy in that because I cannot find that in the life of Jesus on the earth. I cannot find the life of Jesus on the earth that He used lack, that He used harm, anybody that I find. I find people in the most desperate of situations and He was always right there to help. When you say, God, where are you? Listen, I want to tell you, He's right there with you. Even though you cannot understand at that moment, He's right there. God, when is my child coming? All I can tell you is He gave you faith in Luke chapter 15. If you'll go out on the porch every night, one day that child's going to walk up in the yard and say, listen, can I just be a son or a daughter again? Because one day, you got the promise, raise a train a child in the way that they should go. Even though they depart, they shall come again. You got the promise that one day they're going to wake up and they're going to say, listen, I'm tired of eating these. I'm tired of living where I'm living. I got to get back to mom and daddy's house where I know there's some stuff for me. Clay tells a story all the time of his mom and dad praying for him. And there's a proof, train a child in the way that they should go. Even though they depart, they will come back. If you don't believe he was out there, I always say this. Look at the driver license he got sometime. He's unrecognizable. But the goodness of our Father reached down right into the pit where he was at. Are you with me now? When he couldn't help himself, God ran past his sin. Let me tell you one more lie. That this is what, that, listen, that your sin separates you from God. 
There's no sin that will ever separate you from God. Come on, we got to read the book, friend. Find what's in the book. The Bible says neither height nor depth nor anything can separate you from the love of God. God love, God's love reaches beyond your worst possible sin. Are you with me now? Goes beyond that and reaches right where you're at. God loves you this morning. And if you would truly believe that, you would change the way you live. Some of us look in the mirror and we hate what we're looking at because we don't believe God sees us that way. We see every mistake. We see every sin. But God looks below. He looks well beyond that. Remember in the book of Song of Solomon, she says, don't look at me for I'm dark. Don't look at me. He says, for I see you lovely. Study the painting. I challenge you with some of your beliefs. Go study the painting. Go study the Gospels. Go study it. Go look at it and see. Is this, is, this, is, this, is this real? Does this hold me back? Hey, because I failed and because I was at the right hand of, you know, I was right there, I was with them. Uh, and because I failed, does this mean I can't minister anymore? God used the same man that denied him three times and let him preach his first sermon. And when he preached his first sermon, 3,000 men got saved. Jesus is probably looking at the Holy Spirit. I told you that's why I bought into him. I know it was rough. Boy, he was rough when we stood on that boat, wasn't he? Listen, and how he called that man is when he stood on the two sons of Zebedee's boat and Peter and them was out washing their nets in Luke chapter 5. And he stood on that boat and he said, cast the nets back out. Peter had done washed them and put them back up. Listen, but what happened? God's goodness overshadowed that man. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. I'm trying to tell you. God blesses you and come near to you to draw you closer to him. What's in the life of Jesus? What can we find? I can tell you where Jesus was ticked off the most. It wasn't at the crack house. It wasn't at the club. What ticked him off the most was the church and how they represented him. And this is what he told the preachers. You stand in the doorway and and prevent my people from coming to me. When it's all said and done and I get to heaven and I see the Lord, I won't be known as a preacher that said, God, I preach your goodness that you loved them. I told them, God, that no matter what they've done, you for them. God's for you, friend. Listen, I know the enemy lied to you and tell you your struggles and listen, your marriage and all of that. Listen, God's for you. He's for you. He's on your side. He's standing up for you. Listen, this is what I know about God. Every time we get in a struggle, you remember Stephen? I'm done right here. You remember Stephen when he was in trouble and they were stoning him for the message? He got to preach one sermon. Imagine if I let you preach your first sermon and stoned you to death that night. Probably nobody else will preach your first sermon. Can you imagine that? Stephen preached his first sermon and they stoned him and killed him. But as they're beating, as they're beating on Stephen, all throughout Scripture, we see that the Son of Man is seated at the right hand of the Father. But in this particular text, in Acts chapter 6 and 7, Stephen looks up into heaven and he says, I see the Son of Man standing. Every time that the enemy comes in your house like a flood, you better believe this, that the God of heaven is standing. And he's standing on your behalf. And the Bible says this, you got the promise of the word that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God says, I will stand and I will raise a standard against him. I'm telling you, you are his beloved. You are his beloved. You are the apple of his eye. Your picture's in his wallet. You're on his refrigerator door. And he is rooting you on this morning.
I said, gospel truth. He's standing for us. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to pray over you. Pick it up right there. Just really release that over them right now. Come on, just close your eyes. I just want to just. Yeah, 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 so God. Oh, billow over us, Jesus. God, release that Zephaniah 317 where you dance and rejoice over us. Let the angels start dancing right now over us right now. Let the billows of heaven begin to flood this place, God, right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would wash mistakes away right now. How long are you going to tote that thing? How long are you going to tote that mistake? How long are you going to let that have influence into your life? It's gone. Listen, our mistakes are gone as far as the east is from the west. How long are we going to feel disqualified because of our past? I can't do nothing to change the past. Yes, it happened, but let me tell you something. I've been forgiven, friend. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I've been made anew. That doesn't exist in the realm of heaven. How long am I going to listen to the lie that that addiction will never fall off, friend? I'm promising you today, listen, if you will not let let go of the hand of God, it will fall off. Oh, don't you give up. That's the lie of the devil. Listen to this. Listen to this. In John chapter 4, the city of Samaria. Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus commissions the, the 12 apostles, when he commissions them, he says, don't take a money bag with you. And by no means do you go through any city of Samaria, is what he told them. But now in John chapter 4, they're leaving out and Jesus said this, I must go through Samaria. Listen, he said, I'm not going to send you to do what I'm going to do for myself. Because there's a lady living there. She's had four, she's living with a guy right now and she's been married so many times that I don't even know if a preacher even do a wedding anymore. One time wasn't a charm, two times wasn't a charm, three times wasn't a charm, four times wasn't a charm, five times. Name so long now it won't even fit on a marriage certificate. And all she could see was what was holding her back from the fountain. Oh, we're quick to judge people, friend. What about the one that was caught in adultery? And they were all standing there. The preacher said, yeah, we got proof on this one. She needs to sit down at least 12 months. And Jesus said, those of you that without a mistake, you throw the first stone at her. Come on. You'd be the first one in line. And after it was all said and done, Jesus said, look up. Get out from under that shame. Look up at me. Look up. Look up, girl. I don't see none of your accusers anymore. I come to tell you today, friend, I don't see none of your accusers in this room. I don't see none of your accusers in this room. 
I don't see none of your accusers in this room. Father, I pray today that you would wash us in the presence of God. Lift your arms up. I'm going to pray over us. Father, I pray that you would wash us. Wash us of the guilt and shame, God, today. Help us realize that there is goodness toward men. You are good, Father. Give me a revelation of that, God. Father, sometimes I live like an like a orphan trying to get my way in or trying to get you to accept me. Help me to know this morning that I'm a beloved son of God in whom you're well pleased. God, help us to know that you are pleased with us. You love us, God. You have passion towards us. God, you have thoughts good towards us, not to harm us, but to give us a great and expected end. I pray today you would wash off every failure. Come on, church. Let's press in right here. I feel it if you'll press in. God, wash off every failure. God, wash off every mistake from us right now. Break shame off of us right now. Break shame off of us. Break that lie that I'm trying to pay for something you've already paid for, God. You have already paid my debt. There is nothing else I can pay. You finished it for me, God. And God, fill our minds and our hearts with your goodness.